Yo. Yo. Yo, so I see you're using a uh, a stage name. A stage name? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's my Facebook name. That's your... Why would you do that? Why, <laughs> why I'm not going to say your real name in case you just don't want your real name to be on record, but... Uh, but why would you make it that? Why is that your 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 Facebook name? Are we allowed to Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, dude, do you, of course. Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, <laughs> the running joke about this podcast is that I'm going to cut things out in post, but I never do. I just, okay. I just, I just right. upload it as is, but tell people I will. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I changed it uh, on Facebook. I changed it over the summer, like at the beginning of last summer, back in April. I was applying for jobs for uh, Drexel Co-op, and uh, I didn't want the uh, the sons of bitches to find me. <laughs> so I took my dad's middle name, James, and my middle name, Rendell. And I was like, boom, that's it. That's great. That's what we're going to do. So uh, I became James, and then this was right around the time I started booking house shows and I did all of my promo through Facebook and was reaching out to people and sending people invites through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And after about like however long it's been from April to now, um, people have been calling me eight months. Jeez. Um, people have been calling me James cause that's the name <laughs> that they see on Facebook. And so now I can't, I can't escape it. And now I've just become James. Become so I kept it. I am. It's me now. So I was like, all right, I'm in it. I'm in it now. That's happened to Jamie Foxx. He really? uh, basically he wasn't getting up enough at comedy clubs because they were trying to get more women to go. Like they were trying to like be. I'm not sure how to put it, but they were trying to get women more opportunities to get on stage, so they would be more likely to call you up if you had like a you know if it, if it seemed like you were a woman on the list for like new comedians. Gotcha. We just started writing down like all of these names that were kind of like gender neutral, and one day you know he wrote Jamie Fox and a bunch like four other names. He went up and he killed, and there was like some manager or something in the crowd that was just like Jamie, Jamie, and he still wasn't clicking for him because he wasn't that wasn't his name, but <clears throat> eventually he just kind of stuck with it because he had to keep doing yeah, it up more. But you know <laughs> he realized it worked. <laughs> There you go, revolutionizing the game. So you've been living this second, this, this secret second life this whole time. As, it's, as, wow. Yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always had nicknames. I've always had a bunch of dumb nicknames, um, but this one is kind of stuck. That's kind of all right, man. Are you, you just, so you just don't correct people anymore when they come up to you? They just let it, let it roll. Well, it's easier, and you know, because then they'll be like, "Oh, well, I thought you were this," or then later they'll look for me on Facebook or something. So, just because a lot of the people that you know, it's 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 weird um, booking the shows because it's for me, it's kind of um, like a not it's more of a hobby. It's almost uh, like a job, and I put a lot of time into it. Um, so it's something that I kind of. You know, I take more seriously than a lot of other people are. And um, so you have that kind of almost business aspect of it. And, you know, you've got sort of an obligation to bands to, you know, get them paid as best you can and sort of facilitate everything that goes into making a show happen. And then at the same time, you know, I'm at these shows and I'm hanging out and it's, you know, just, uh, you know, fun and, you know, social. So you have like that dual aspect of it and it just doesn't, for both reasons, doesn't really make sense to 
correct people at this point. Um, it's just easier if people see one thing and get one thing, you know, from the internet to the as well as to like under, explain to people that oh that's not actually my name I was trying to get a job and I didn't yeah. want people finding me and so I just been running with it and you know and then it would probably create like a weird energy too about like yeah. what else are you lying about <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy's trying to hide something clearly he just admitted it he just admitted he's trying to hide from the, yeah, the job he's, people he's CIA or something KGB you, you ever worry about um if you end up like meeting a woman at these shows. And she thinks your name is 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 uh was it James Randall is that we're going by? Yeah. And sure. do you ever worry about like okay at what point is it okay or or should I tell her that's not my name? So actually, that's interesting that you say that um, <laughs> because um um I, it's it's almost it's a little bit of a joke um and um there are a few people like if I'm like. It depends. Like uh, most most people know that m- know most of my friends know my real name. Um, classmates know my real name because that's what you know professors are going to call and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I've never really had an issue with that. I think that all of the people that I've met at shows that I've been interested in, um, that I talk to or am talking to, have know know my real name. I think. I think people. Oh, I mean, it's sort of a nickname. James is sort of a nickname at this point, and I think a lot of people kind of, kind of know that and know my real name. Yeah. What exactly are you trying to hide, or were you trying to hide on uh, on Facebook? Um, I just get into a lot of political arguments. Um, okay. And uh, um, I'm not a particularly big fan of our government, just a, as a whole. Um, so I. I wasn't really a fan of either party leading up into the last election. Uh, and so there was a lot of that and a lot of, you know, just co- sort of controversial things. And I also like to say fuck a lot. Um, so there is that, that side of it too. How often do you get into these political arguments? I don't anymore. Uh, okay. Well, I try like not to. How often to. did you? Uh, like two or three times a day. This is like, like during one... the election season? Well, this was like, this is from like this point last year um, until like April. So like four months of me just being like, rah, rah, rah. you know, like those long like comment chains on. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. damn. You were okay. So you were, you were really putting time in. Oh yeah. I was you were asshole. like doing first draft, second draft, you know, oh, let I me was... think about it. Should I wait to post this for another 30 minutes? I don't want to make it seem like this is all that I'm doing. You know, let me... I, I was, I was in there like swimwear. And they're like somewhere. Okay, maybe that'll be the name of this podcast. Somewhere. Wait a minute. Like okay, it. so it was really just four months that you were really going in like this. It wasn't really like- going in like it. I mean, it was always it was always like there, but I think that was like coming out of that. I was like, okay, you need to stop this. Yeah. Um, what made you think that? What made you change your mind about it? Um, I think I lost an argument, and I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. So you were about- undefeated for. Two to three days every day for uh, three to four months. And then I don't know if I was... At the very end, you lost an argument. That's what stopped you. I don't know if I was undefeated. I think in my head I was probably undefeated. But yeah. it was one of those, like, ass-handed-to-you defeats that I was like, it's time to reevaluate what I'm doing here. Was that the, did not go my way. What was the argument on? And what was, like, the... What was the... Well, yeah, let's first go with the argument was on and then i kind of want to know what made you realize that you lost it like what was so crucial about it 
Um, I don't remember what it was, but I have a bunch of, uh, I call them my hick friends, but I've got a bunch of like right wing, like white friends from out in the sticks that I have met, uh, just through various things. Uh, and, um, I, so somebody, I, I don't remember what the argument was, but I was really mad that I lost it because I was like, there's no way I lost this guy. He's got like four teeth. No oh. way I just lost some redneck. I don't remember what it was, but he made like a really good point, and I was like, fuck, he's right. Do you remember any part of what he said, though? It just kind of, you blocked it out of your memory? It was, it was so long, and it happened so frequently. Like, I, it yeah. could have been anything at this point gun control, birth control. Yeah. Uh, like, dude, you name it. It's, dude, that, it's that, all out there. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today because I was watching, um, you ever watch the show Hate That Neighbor on Vice? Uh, I think I've heard of it and I might've seen snippets of it, but never actually sat down and watched it. No. The premise is basically they get this, like, um, this British, but like half Jamaican comedian. Oh, and he goes and like interviews the clan and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's not just the clan. Like he goes to like the black Israelites and he goes, but he really goes international. Like this one I was just watching was, uh, about Israel and, um, and it kind of touches on, like, the Palestinian situations, but it really is more about a uh, gay pride parade that in 2016, I think, uh, this, like, old guy, like, stabbed and killed a 16-year-old girl that was marching. And oh, there's, yeah, but the whole – the reason I kind of bring up the show, not to bring that up really, but um, – Well, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that was actually an idea for this podcast, like, just in general. Like, what if I made the podcast just like like, you know, like the Eric Andre show? where the people don't know that the whole premise of the podcast is to get them to hang up or get them to walk off or get them yep. to be uncomfortable. I was yeah. thinking, like, what if I just, what if I do that? What if I just don't let people know? <laughs> continually make them more and more. Yeah, or that, I just don't that. let them hang up. Like, I just keep trying to get it to go as long as I'm... <laughs> Something hilarious. like that. But anyway, the, uh, the reason I, I was bringing this up is because it's like the, the one of the more fascinating parts about this show is they interview... Uh, people that it's clear like when you're out of the situation, like you're not living in Britain, you're not living in Israel, you're not living in uh, Sweden and you watch these people talk, it's it's pretty clear their views are like really extreme and that they're wrong. So you know, yeah. Jamali's asking them questions about like, you know, so how do you feel about Muslims, right? And they try to like make this argument, whatever the argument is, like they try to make these arguments and it's like, they completely believe it and they have like a community of people that are like their friends that they go to these events with. And it's like, whenever I watch that show, I start to think about like, okay, well how, like how do you reverse that? You know what I mean? Like, well not even reverse it, but I, like, I think about a few things, but I think about like, how do you even like get someone to, I think I know loosely how how you get someone to not be as firm with whatever their extreme belief is. But I started to think about like, okay, like what am I doing that someone could interview me and record it? And like, what is the thing I'm doing that I'm being firm about that I don't realize is crazy? You know what I mean? Because to them, their whole community is kind of with them in a way. Like they think they're changing the world for the better. They think by being like Islamophobic, or being uh, homophobic or whatever it is. They think like, oh, like, you know, they think they're right. And I'm thinking like to myself, like, what is it that like, is there anything that I'm doing too? That's like, you know, that 
I don't know. Like, how would I know? How would I know up whatever I'm doing is crazy? Like, how would they know? You know what I mean? This might not even be a good question. Like, I'm just, that was a thought I had. When I was, uh, yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, uh, I was talking to um, one of, uh, it was a woman that I dated freshman year. And um, this was a year or two after we um, broke up and we didn't, we weren't really talking for a while. We started talking again, and um, I made some questionable decisions um, that year. And um, I forget what they said, but it was, it was, it was wiser than this person was. It was probably the wisest thing they they have or will say. But um, it was essentially, <laughs> it, it was essentially something along the lines of like it's it's hard to tell that you're crazy when all of your friends are crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. Um, yeah, yeah, for so, sure. You know, and it was basically, it was essentially, it was like, you know, I don't really blame you. You thought, essentially, you thought that the behavior was acceptable because everybody that you've been hanging out with for the last year or so was doing it. And then when you kind of, if you transplant that behavior into another scenario or another social setting yeah. or another group, then suddenly you become the odd one out. But if everybody else is doing it and you don't really question your behavior, your actions, or your words, the actions or words of, you know, your peers around you. Um, it can be very easy to um, get away from yourself and I guess the larger picture. And I think it can happen really quickly. Yeah, and that's like part of my fear, like the older I get. Like, I'm not even, like, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I've, I, <laughs> I've been around for a long time. I've been around for a long time. These twenty one long years. But it's like it, like as I get as just, you know I get farther and farther away from living at my parents' house. Like it like every year or so there's just things that if I look back at what I used to do, I realize like it's kind of crazy that I did that. And it's not like it was illegal, but it was just kind of like not defensible really. And then I, I think about like, okay, well, I started to like see like watching sports, right? Like watching sports, it was just, especially in Philadelphia, like where everyone just like, it's such a sports town, right? And you, you grow up with it. It's just like a part of your week. It's part of your, you know, it, it matters. It's on the news. Like it's like, you know, it's the weather, it's the local issues and it's sports and everyone around you for the most part is in agreement about that this is important and that the Phillies are going to play the Yankees in the 2009 World Series and this matters, you know, <laughs> and, you know, teachers are talking about it and just, it's like, it's, you know, and, and every now and again, even when someone would kind of make the argument to me that it was like watching a reality show, it just didn't click to me that, like, I knew logically they were right, but I I couldn't stop watching until like I moved away until I moved away and people around me weren't also interested in the same teams. But even then it like, it took years before I was like, I really realized that like, Oh, this is, this is just a distraction. Like there's nothing I'm getting from, I'm not learning anything from this. It's just, I'm just doing it to kind of mindlessly, whatever it was, like whatever reason it was, but it wasn't anything I could defend anymore, especially with the Kaepernick thing and like the Donald Sterling thing. And, and, and also once the athletes started to become younger than me, it just started to get really creepy to me that there, I could have like 
like a younger guy's name on the jersey and like wear that around. Like that seemed really bizarre. But I guess what I'm kind of getting at is that my fear in a way is that like eventually like any kind of music for the most part is going to be like the music I like right now, I can see, I can see like down the line how I, I would be like, I don't know, like that I wouldn't listen to it anymore because I'll realize that it's like, it's also not defensible. Like it's also kind of crazy that if I took myself like out of America and I was listening to hip hop music, people might think like, that's really kind of crazy. That's really like, most of it's pretty insensitive. Most of it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's like, it's pretty misogynistic. It's pretty violent. And it's some of it's not really defensible. Right. And I, I kind of wonder about like how much of just like living in America or like living in Philadelphia or living uh, anywhere that's not like a Buddhist monk temple. Because I think like that's ultimately like the only people that are really just like not doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? Like I think about like how, like, like, yeah, like is that just something that, is that like the ultimate, are those the, are those like the only people that have it figured out? You know what I mean? Where they're, they're the only people not really, not really hurting anyone and kind of living this uh, sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, I I feel that it's um, there's a lot of people that I that I've read or seen on Facebook that are like, oh, you know, gonna go hiking in Peru for ten days to go <laughs> clear my head or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's are these uh, are these wealthy white people? Really, it's a mix of people, honestly. Oh, really? Um, people are just going to Peru to... like that for ten well, days? That's, that's not not Peru, but like <laughs> go out in your backyard or whatever, just to, like as a concept. You know? Okay, okay, okay. So they do that, and they talk about what? Just trying to be at peace or something? I think it's just sort of really an escape from. Um, uh, social media, I think, escape from social media seems to be, like, the largest driving factor from what I've seen, I guess, not to put words in people's mouth. Uh-huh. That seems kind of... That seems a little bit extreme. Like, they they need to... Okay. Like, you can just get off, you know what I mean? Like, you could just... Is that crazy to say? That you could just... That someone, <laughs> they, could, <laughs> they could just put the phone down, or they could just put the computer down? Is that, like, insensitive? Is that, like, well, sure. blaming? But I think it goes, like, for some people it might go a little bit deeper, and there might be other, you know, mental health aspects that go along with it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I can't think of a specific, you know, case or scenario to really quote, but... Alright. I wonder, yeah. uh, some of the other episodes, we end up talking about uh, Philadelphia a lot, and that's part of why I wanted to call you for this one. Because I... I I'm getting to that place that you were at in that uh, that drawing class that day, where you where you were just like I fucking hate Philly, man. Fuck the Flyers, <laughs> fuck the <laughs> fuck the Eagles, and people started to kind of turn on you. And I gave you this look like, yo, you might be wilding right now. Like you might be asking for for a real fight, and you know, and you're just like, I, really just, I don't care anymore, man. Like I just you know <laughs> like like you know if someone wants to fight me over that, then like so be it. Like I, I wonder. Because it's like, D.C. really isn't that far away. But what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I wouldn't be... It's, it's a difference saying that in a drawing class 
in okay, yeah, U City. I wouldn't say it in Kensington <laughs> or Mantua. Have you been uh, to Kensington? Uh, I've been right outside of it. Oh, okay. but, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I pick your battles. Like I felt, I was confident that there were not uh, very many ass kickers in that drawing club. And there also wasn't, uh, like, you know, there was too many witnesses, and there's too much, like, uh, it, it was lit too well. The light was... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I, I don't know. Philadelphia, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, I hate it, just, I don't like the city. Um, <laughs> and growing up in D.C., Everybody's like, well, just go downtown. I'm like, I've been downtown. And downtown D.C. is way nice, and it doesn't smell like bum piss everywhere. Uh-huh. And they were like, well, we have the Liberty Bell. And I'm like, bitch, we've got the mall. I've got the Smithsonian. I've got the White House. I've got the Capitol building. i got the Jefferson Memorial. Is that where you're like, hanging out, though? Or are you just hanging out? I, I, yes. I guess, I, because I guess okay. Yeah. I every, guess. every class field trip in elementary school, middle school, and high school, where the fuck do you think we went? You know how many yeah, yeah, goddamn absolutely. times I've been in the mall? I'm so fucking sick of it. We all have relatives come in and they'll be like, hey, take us to the mall. I'll be like, not a goddamn thing. <laughs> no, I'm not going. Take your damn self. Been there. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it three weekends in a row one time. Nah, I'm not going. Um, three weekends in a row? I don't know. Some dumb shit. But yeah, yeah they were like, we've got the Rocky Steps. And I was like, I have yeah, everything that's, that's like, really starting to bother me too like the rocky thing you know like it, it didn't used to bother me but it really says something kind of like it's really pretty stupid yeah like, it, I, yeah it's like it's not even a real guy and there are real boxers that were really successful from philadelphia yeah you know? so but what's bugging you about philly uh what's the interview the interviewer it, becomes the interviewee yeah man what's <laughs> i guess it's the, kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? With like hate thy neighbor and like the idea of um, that people could be crazy, but they don't know because everyone around them is also crazy. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But I'm, I, I think what it is is like you know, you, I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit when, uh, when like early on in the drawing class, right? When I was still pretty much like I had only lived, I moved here in the September, I can't even speak, September first. So it was kind of like. For a while, things in Philadelphia seemed really crazy, just like the segregation and the lack of white – I mean, the, not like white people. What was that? <laughs> the, These were white folk. The, <laughs> if there was anything, there was white people. <laughs> but, but, um, but just, yeah, like I had never really been in situations where I was the only black guy in a class, and that happened at Drexel. And there was other times where just seeing this clear, like, racial kind of, like, class divide where you go to places like Mantua or you go to places like, um, you know, like the outer side of West Philadelphia. And it was just like you constantly see every day that there's like this kind of like haves and have nots thing where you go to the cafeteria or at least I've never been to the actual the Hans or whatever, but I, I like the urban eatery. Like, you know, you go in there. It's a sea of white kids, and everyone working behind the counter is is like a black adult. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know what I mean? And I just I'd never seen that, or at least I hadn't. Maybe I had seen it, but I just, you know what? Now that I think about it, it was not 
much different in high school, but it was like I, I'm coming from. You're less Francisco. aware of it. Well, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's my point, though. Like I wasn't aware that younger. it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. in San Francisco, like that was my first really living inside the city limits of a city when I was like old enough to understand what's going on and have the freedom I had to go kind of, you know, just establish norms. So yeah. I was totally used to like it, like I was used to there not being a ton of black people in San Francisco, but there was really no like clear, like racial divide anywhere. There was no, except for like maybe Chinatown. There was, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, like this is clearly a white neighborhood. This is clearly a Mexican neighborhood. This is clearly uh, an Asian neighborhood. Like it was pretty mixed in, and people, people were pretty like, like it was kind of like, I didn't realize how futuristic it was, and I didn't realize how kind of silly it was to do like like paying for bags like at a grocery store, like, right? Like. That makes sense to me. Like, it makes sense to me now, but it didn't before. Or, like, transgender bathrooms or, like, the idea of, uh, like, gender pronouns. Like, that stuff didn't make sense to me coming from where I was living. When I moved out there, after, like, four months, you kind of get to a place where you realize, like, they're right. And then, but the, the whole thing was, eventually, like, when I moved back to Philadelphia, it was, like, a lot of stuff bothered me, man. Like, a lot of stuff, like... uh you know, like, namely, like, that there wasn't really any Mexicans or, or Asian Americans anywhere. There, like, there's very few Asian Americans I mean, I don't think I've met, like, any Mexican people, like, since I've been back in Philadelphia. And That's, yeah, I can't say that I have either. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah, like, yeah. and I, I didn't, when I lived here originally, for the first 17 years, I knew maybe one, I knew, I think, one person that was fully Mexican, and I knew another child that was, like, her dad was Jewish and their mother was Mexican. And so I guess yeah. she's Mexican. I don't know how she identifies, but it, it like, you know, so, but whenever you talk to anyone about it, it was kind of like, they didn't, they understood like logically what you were talking about, but they couldn't really understand exactly what you were talking about because that was just how it always was. It always was this segregated. The weather was always what it was. Well, the weather wasn't was something that really bothered me, to, you know, but like, it was just normal to them, right? And <laughs> and uh, and so I think what I'm worried about with Philadelphia now at this point is that, like, I'm not as I don't know, like I, I I get I'm getting used to it, you know what I'm saying? And I'm I feel like I'm like slipping back into that that zone where you know you don't feel crazy or like not I'm not trying to put it, but it's like everyone around you, you know. Everyone around you is crazy, but but it's um, it becomes regular. It becomes yeah. It becomes place. normal, and I'm yeah. I'm worried that that's not like a healthy thing. That like that you know letting it become normal might lead to me actually just continuing to live here even when I can choose to leave. Like you know like oh you know what a good example is and this is probably actually the like kind of a bad example. It's like an extreme example, but you know like sometimes like how people get institutionalized in prison. Yeah, where they get used to like the trauma, or they get used to just the uh, or they go the day to war. Day. Yeah, yeah, the day to day, they get so used to jail that they like forget kind of how to how to behave on the outside. Or someone just goes to strip clubs so much that they forget how to talk to women that aren't strippers. Yeah, and the 
So that's kind of that's, what I, like. Is that what you're worried year. about? That was the big. That's yeah, the, a little bit. Is that, a little is bit. that what this podcast is? You're worried you won't be able to talk to not strippers. We oh, can, that's we can not, get you help. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I started this podcast. That's the uh, <laughs> the Jordan stripper intervention. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's. I don't know. I don't think that's. I think that was part of it. I, I started writing down my thoughts, like. Uh, on the oh, like a couple of days ago to try to to try to I guess just not gradually forget about certain things. You know what I mean? Like to just not because like the problem with like nostalgia is you kind of can tend to forget about like anything negative. You just kind of remember like ah oh, man like you know. My childhood wasn't that bad, or like you know, it 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 wasn't as bad as I think it was, and I think that was like a problem that I had living either in Nashville or California, where I just I forgot how bad the winters got. Like I just forgot about like any anything anything negative. If you were to ask me like four months ago about like a negative aspect of living in Philadelphia, like I wouldn't have been able to 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 point one out. And so I think with like anything, like the idea of either recording these conversations or recording my thoughts is that I'll have a more objective uh, view of, of what it was really like, because otherwise it can just become a memory like a nostalgic memory of, of, you know, and then I'll be like an old person talking about how great their childhood was in the sixties or whatever. <laughs> I used to go be able to see Janis Joplin on South street for $4. And then, <laughs> It's like okay, like you know, fine. Like, but fine. <laughs> there's inflation. Like I get it, but you know, like it. It. I don't know. I guess you know. I think, and also I think I like I selfishly like hearing myself talk. <laughs> True. Yeah. Fair enough. I think yeah, we I want to hear. I guess like why you didn't like what was so different about like the people of DC compared to Philadelphia because it's generally the same region. But you were pretty firm about like I like DC but fuck Philadelphia. And I was wondering, like, what could it be about, like, the people, like, besides, like, the downtown area? Like, what about the people that, that kind of... Well, I think there's, there's a composite of factors, and I think that um, even there, we're close enough that some things are similar, but just far enough apart for, like, slang, for instance, is different. And it, this seems a bit off topic, but I'll tell you how this fa- figures in. But okay. um, in Philly, you guys say John, J-A-W-N, right? Okay. In D.C., we say jaunt, J-A-U-N-T. <laughs> and they mean the same thing, use them the same way. And so for my major, we have a group chat. And I was in the group chat, and I was asking questions. Oh, and I said, okay. jaunt. And everybody lost their collective minds. Yeah. And they were like, what the yeah. fuck did you just say? <laughs> I said jaunt. It means thing. And um, (laughs) they were like, it's John. And I was like, have I been saying this wrong for the last 20 years of my life? And so I pulled up Urban Dictionary and I found John and I found John and I sent them the version of John. um, And I was like, that's Philly. And I sent them John and I was like, I'm from D.C. You guys are wrong. And then they lost (laughs) the collective shit again. Um but it's so it's it's similar in a way, but it's it's different enough. And there's other slang that's also really similar, but just slightly different. But um, I think part of it is not so much um, 
I think I think that I don't, and I think it's important to distinguish um, Philadelphians and the city of Philadelphia with University City and Drexel, yeah. and I guess I'll lump UPenn in there as well, um, just because it's so close. Um, yeah. So you've got essentially between Drexel and Penn, within you know twenty square city blocks, something like forty-eight to fifty thousand kids, essentially, like, let's call them what they are, 18 to 22, that's kids in my book. Um, and um, th- that is, like, there is no other areas in in America where you have a population with that age demographic. Like, it is so so disproportionate to what you would find anywhere else you know um having those two colleges so close together it's like when you see a person are you sure are you sure there isn't any colleges that are that big that there's that many kids in that area no sure okay but another college but i'm saying if you went to new york you would be surrounded by all of these people it wouldn't be you like here like here i would say i'll say three out of every five people like if I'm on campus, three out of every five people is going to be my age, give or take two years. Yeah, There's yeah. nowhere else in America I can go outside of a college campus or college setting where three out of five people are going to be my age, give or take two years. You know, I'm not going to go find a job and have everybody, three out of five people yeah, at my yeah, job yeah, okay. be my, you know. That's so generally it's, it's, like the college experience, though. Like it's like, Well, sure, but. Yeah. I think it's a little bit different for ours because, I mean, there's colleges that are only, you know, 2,000 people in the middle of, you know, bumfuck. No, I guess it's a little different. But what I'm really saying is people exist here and interact with other people here in ways that they will not be able to act and interact and will not be interacting with the same people in these proportions or these certain demographics won't be as pronounced when they leave. Um, And I think that essentially – creates um an echo chamber um where ideas are kind of reverberated around between peers um and you have a lot of people that have very 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 similar mindsets um and it creates this illusion of a security and b it's kind of like what you were talking about um normalcy um and you don't really realize that you're crazy because everybody else around you is crazy so you have this echo chamber where most of the fish are swimming the same way. Um, and if people kind of step out and vocalize opinions that are slightly different from the norm, um, they stick out like a sore thumb, even though they're really not um, all that different. And although they would have views that are would be generally acceptable pretty much no matter where else you are and what other, other setting you might be in. And I think that I kind of am that sore thumb. Because you have a lot of our peers are super – we had an election recently. I don't know if, if you heard about it, but it didn't go our way. We did? We did. Um, and Damn. It did not go our way. But um, <laughs> you have a lot of really, 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 really progressive um, liberal um, young millennials. I mean that's what we are, and I think most of them are very, very, very far to the left, and I think more so than – maybe possibly any other generation has been, I guess, um, relatively speaking. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have 
all of these people that are very, very far left. And so when you take somebody that's a little bit more neutral, um, like I just don't sort of hang that far to the left. Um, it, it really, I think, um, it stands out and I think it's, it, I just, because of it stands out, I think I've noticed these trends that people think certain things are acceptable and that certain things are normal and that things are supposed to be a certain way or will be a certain way when I just don't think that's the case. And I think that it will be detrimental to a lot of people. Um, and I'll, and just in general, our generation, when we hit the workforce, when we get out there, um, when we're not surrounded by people that dress like us or think like us, um, I think that this whole sense of, you know, inclusion and tolerance that everybody's preaching, I think um, when they and we get out there and we realize that it's not what we thought it was going to be, I think it'll be detrimental. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly curious to see in five or 10 years to see how we all ended up. Um, Cause I think now that we're in a generation with, um, all of the social media and just changing political views and all of this other stuff. Um, I think it'll be interesting and I'm not necessarily sure it will work out well um, for us in the, you know, short to medium run, not the long term. I'm not talking, you know, four or five decades down the line, but I'm, you know, immediately following college. So what kind of stuff comes up that you don't find yourself agreeing with? Um, I think, um, I think, um, I mean, there's a few things. Um, I am not a huge fan of either or any political parties. Um, I kind of would prefer a government that's a little more hands off, which because of some of the things Trump is doing, people say, aha, you're just like him. Like Trump wants to pretend climate change doesn't exist and remove, you know, the EPA and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I mean when I said I don't want the government to be involved. Um, but um, I think one of the biggest things that I see, and this will probably be a little controversial. Um, is... no, no one's listening to this podcast, man. <laughs> well, still. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'll just, just let you know, like, in case you're, like, nervous about how you're coming off or anything. Well, I mean, like, I'm not going to promote this. I'd... If you want to promote it, like, to someone, like, and said, like, hey, check me out. I, you know, did this or whatever. That's up to you, but I'm not going to, well, unless I'm asking someone to come on. Like, I don't think, I'm, you know, don't, well, don't worry about how you sounded. We're not, I, I don't have to put your real name on it. Oh, it's cool. I mean, it's something that I think <laughs> we should be talking about anyways. And I think that, um, I think it's something we should be talking about. And I think that the fact that people are sort of uncomfortable talking about these topics um, is part of the problem. And I think that inability to sort of approach certain topics or approach certain topics with a grain of salt is kind of the problem. And I think that's going to be what's detrimental in the long run. But um, an example of that is um, Mm -hmm. when doing booking and promotion, there's a couple of groups um, on Facebook. One of them um, is the DIY music uh, for Philadelphia. Um, And it's a Facebook group with about 8,000, just under 8,000 people in it from all over Philadelphia that are in bands or host shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times um, I see um, people are sort of tr- trying to facilitate um, or create um, an opportunity for people that are 
um, have historically been disenfranchised, whether you be a person of color, um, you know, um, LGBT, pardon me, LGBTQIA, um, anybody in that community, um, (laughs) you know, so you have, you know, these groups that have been marginalized for a long time, um, and people are trying to give those artists, um, really a place to be heard. But in doing so, because it's such a small, um, populace like it doesn't it it all of these demographics are represented um uh disproportionately to how they exist anywhere outside you have a lot um and just based on the culture of philadelphia you really have um a lot of um performers and talent that are um femme or um the larger gay community or people of color you have a huge number of uh poc artists um there and people in venues are i can't tell you how many times i've seen um people saying hey we are a poc fronted band or we're a femme fronted band we're looking to play a show or i've seen promoters say hey i'm looking for a femme fronted band or a poc fronted band um to play shows um and it's not necessarily a bad thing um but when it allows people to use um, their outward appearance or a part of their identity um, as sort of a bargaining chip. Um, and it adds privilege um, and power uh, to being a certain color, maybe not white, um, or identifying the same way. So instead of having privilege because you're straight, now you have privilege because you are not. Um, and you have a greater opportunity not everywhere. This is not true for the music business in general. It's quite the opposite. But here in Philadelphia, especially in this DIY category, and on campus especially, um, campus is really quite the same. Um, you now have um, sort of this privilege and this power and are represented um, uh, more so than you would be anywhere else. Um, and... Uh, Again, it's it's good because I want to see those marginalized people make it. Um, but it, it's become it's become sort of a bargaining chip, and uh, I I think people are kind of ignoring that it is now. Um, now we are the privilege. The white privilege no longer exists. Now it's POC privilege um, and gay privilege, and that's kind of that way um, on campus. And we saw this in. Um, sort of on the rise in the mid uh, 2000s when everybody wanted a gay friend and I'm looking at you white women all of them wanted a gay <laughs> friend to go shopping with and you saw that perpetuated on TV so many times um, and that kind of led into this although not directly um, and so now you really have this kind of culture where it's great because people can feel included and safe and tolerated um, but it's sort of given way to this um effect where we now in our social groups um have a lot of power and um white straight men white cishet men um are now almost being marginalized and almost aren't being listened to whether or not um what they're saying is relevant um you know uh and okay, I, okay. I, I, you see what I, i'm I, saying so i was um, wondering where you're going with it too because i was like okay but what's the problem 
Well, like, I was like, I was like, wonder what his point's going to be with the problem by giving minorities or underrepresented groups the right. opportunity. But then that, yeah, no, the, I see how that, right. yeah, that is, is where is, it, yeah. right. It, it's now now other groups are being we've we've overdone it. Like it's not equal. It's now it, there's no we haven't eliminated privilege. We've just moved privilege from one group to another, and yeah. the group that now has it doesn't quite realize they have it. And when they do realize they have it, they sort of justify it with, oh, well, you've had it your way for so long. It's finally time for us to have such and such. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's be clear. It's not equality, um, and you're not representing all groups equally anymore. Um, and that's assuming that they understand that they are now the ones, or we are now the ones um, with the privilege and the power, because not everybody recognizes it. Yeah, there was, uh, my mom was talking to me about that in a way where uh, Harvard was being sued by different Asian families that felt like Harvard was giving like an unfair chance uh, to get like to, uh, to black students. Yeah. And they felt like they were being cut out. And it was kind of conflicting because <laughs> in a way, I want that to happen at Harvard, but in another way, I I understand that that's unfair, and that's becoming like, yeah, it, it is kind of a tricky conversation, right? And, it's a, and, it, and it does it does kind of spawn these uh, these kind of elections, and these kind of these kind of feelings amongst different white people, especially if they don't really have much power that they've accessed, and then people kind of come to them. And you remember that video that MTV put up a while ago about like something like about like the problem with white people or the problem with white guys or something. Uh, or something like it was something. I'm it was sure. some really. They had to apologize for it. Like it was really distasteful. But like, it was kind of over the top. Like about people just like beating up on white people. And there's another MTV documentary. <laughs> now I think about it. You ever watch it? It's just called White People. It's like 41 minutes long. I think. Um. I'm not sure. No, I don't think I know it. It's pretty interesting, man. It's like basically this guy like goes to and I, I if you ever listen back to this, you're gonna hear that I say like you know what I mean and you know a lot. But uh basically someone goes to different neighborhoods and different like rural areas or cities or just different places to get different demographics, but they kind of interview white people going to college and their views on like applying to college. And, and they really kind of cover a lot of the, I want to say like reoccurring issues that, that people of color talk about when interacting with, with white people. Like, uh, I don't know how to exactly say it, but, but just that they're kind of unaware of, of like other people's plight or other people's concerns because it doesn't apply to them. I guess in the same way that like you could, women could say men are unconcerned to a certain degree about like certain women's issues because we just don't have to think about it. Like we don't really have to think about like safety in the same way that they have to think about it. So uh, I was going somewhere with this. I was going somewhere with this point. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think what the point was that um, – I was going somewhere about basically just uh, 
just like how do you think that's going to play out really like cuz i like the way i see it happening in is kind of like like they're just going to get upset and they are upset now and that's kind of where you see the trump vote but like like where do you think it's going after this or like just you know uh, we're already I, in it in a way i i don't really know i think the best way that i had somebody describe it to me which i've kind of built on um um my cousin was talking to me about um he grew up in a poor section of Miami and he was one of the only white kids. He was the minority. He was one of the only white oh, kids in the area. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of talked to me about that and how he was picked on for being white. Um, mm. And um, I didn't, I originally, when I first heard him talking about it, I was kind of upset and I was, it made me angry. And I was like, are you like, what are you trying to justify here? Like, are, like what is going on? But I, <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, I talked about it, and after having a similar conversation that I'm having with you with a couple other people, um, the best way that I've found to describe it, um, and this will tie into my next point, um, backtracking a bit to make the the point, but um, talking about privilege, um, everybody's got a backpack, essentially. Um, And inside of that backpack, depending on who you are, um, is um, a tool, essentially, um, that is your privilege. Um, and it looks different for everyone. Some people's tools are a little bit more useful than others. Um, and, but everybody's got it, but one tool can't do every job. So if you walk into a situation with your backpack and you're Trayvon Martin and you walk into a rich white gated community in Florida and you sit down with your backpack and you take out your privilege, um, it might not do you a whole lot of favors and you might even end up dead. But um, if we take Trayvon or any person of color and we drop them into a neighborhood um, that is predominantly people of color, um, not to say that that neighborhood would be inherently safe or safer, um, but um, being a person of color in a neighborhood that is predominantly people of color, people are going to take you usually, this is a generalization. People are usually going to take you more seriously and you're not going to stand out so much. Um, And your privilege um, now offers you that tool becomes slightly more useful to you. Whereas before it was completely useless. Now, if you're white and you walk through the gated community and you've got your backpack and you sit down and you take out your privilege. Um, that privilege looks like safety, inclusion, tolerance, whatever. Um, now if you take that safety, inclusion and tolerance, you pack it back up, you put your privilege back in your backpack and you walk into a poor community, uh, predominantly, um, uh, African American or people of color community. And you go and you sit down and you take out your white privilege. Your white privilege doesn't really get you a whole lot when you're one of the only white folk around. Um, so that it might be that they're afraid of you at that point, but I guess if you're yeah, if well, you, had... you might end up being afraid of them. They might not, given the way things have been going, you might not be their friend, or they may not see you as uh, a friend fellow when you take mm-hmm. out your white privilege, um, just depending on where you are. Um, yeah, yeah. But so it's like that, you know, your privilege will earn you certain things, or you know, remove certain. Uh, opportunities for you just based on who you are and where you are. And it's not always the same. Like I said, white privilege 
probably doesn't get you may not get you many places if you walk into um you know northwestern philly or you walk into you know some of the uh poorer streets on uh more dangerous streets in palatin or in mantua um where there's reduced um you know police activity that white privilege it might not earn you so much um when you're interacting with the people there that just the general populace where as that white privilege might do you some more favors interacting with a predominantly white populace um so which is um, most of the country though sure exactly which is so yeah so you know that tool may be more useful and be more useful more often depending on who you are but yeah. it's different for everybody and it's that tool that privilege will not always be useful everywhere you go but yeah. Going to the future, how do I think it'll be in the future? Um, I think that um, I think that we'll start to see um, this privilege and uh, these tools in our privilege backpacks will start to. I think I think they'll really start to become uh, more useful more often um, for people that it was less useful less often. Um, I think that it's, it's sort of going, it's going that way. And I think it's accelerated. Um, if you look at either of the coasts, if you look at the East or West coast, I think that that sort of, it's kind of what I was talking to you about, like on campus, it's, I think that that privilege is really going to start to pick up, or I guess the lack of privilege will turn into something more neutral. Um, middle America, we might have to work with y'all for a little while, but, um, um, shout out to y'all. Shout out if to you. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think I think we're going the right way. Um, I was reading something um, that says um, our generation has um, by percentage is uh, has more gay and trans people, um, has more people using they them pronouns, um, has um, um, seeing more uh, interracial couples um, just across the board we're kind of breaking down, not barriers, but we're not adhering to what used to be cultural and societal norms. Um, we're like, I forget what the article was, but it was, it was essentially saying that us young millennials, we are the gayest generation there has ever been in America. And if you look around, I mean, I think that's true. And I think I've seen it even in the last five years. At least of, the most openly gay, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, sure, right. But that's, you know, yeah. the point that people feel comfortable enough to be openly gay and that people are comfortable enough with it that, you know, that's just acceptable now. It's accepted and, and people are coming out. And I think that you see people represented. I think that you see the gay community represented um, percentage-wise at a rate that is more accurate to, you know, the people that are, you know, actually, you know, the, I, the people are more comfortable being out of the closet. And I think that, uh, the percentage of um, people in the gay community is closer to the actual number, um, if that makes any sense. Um, and it's, yeah. I think it's getting yeah. closer. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. And I think that because of that, um, because people are really sort of coming in tune, as Cat Williams would say, with their star player, uh, <laughs> they are... We, I think that can only be positive for us. And I think that can only be helpful and healthy for us. And I think that when we now start to recognize um, marginalized groups and when we start to really allow um, 
everybody to sort of play or at least exist um, at the bare minimum on the on a level playing field. Um, I think that that will only give us the opportunity to make better decisions in the future. I don't know what those decisions will be. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think if everybody's genuine and everybody's honest and we see more representation from these communities, I think it will provide better outcome that will provide opportunity for groups that were previously marginalized. I think that it can only be when we are representing ourselves more. Um, I think that we can only make better decisions that will benefit larger groups of people in America. So I think it's positive. I think that it, it, it can only, I, I well, I hope it can only go, um, you know, can only get better. But then again, you know, you know, a true pessimist could just, you know, argue that now we have more groups. There are more, more divide, more possible divide, more possible different things that you could be or identify. And yeah. Sometimes that, I see it. A little bit more like that, but not in that way. But yeah, yeah right. I see what you're saying. But yeah, somebody could argue that now there's more opportunity for conflict because there are more different groups. So that's one argument, not one that I would take. But I, I can, I know people that would probably make that argument. Um, <laughs> but I think it can only go well for us. Yeah, I don't know really because I do like I do agree with that with what you were saying largely about that just if you look at like the, the trajectory of kind of where we've been and where it's going and like the numbers and that it is like, yeah, like the gayest generation, the most openly uh, people identifying, uh, you know, on the, the, in, in so many different ways. And it's in, and the tolerance has risen too. Like it's, it's, it's like, you ever watch like old, uh, like old comedy or old interviews or something. And someone will say like, something is a, uh, something's gay. Like, yeah. Something's yeah. Gay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I'll, I'll see it. And I'm like, Oh damn. He fucked up. Like, he, you know, I'll kind of cringe a little bit. Yeah. Not to pat myself on the back for how progressive I am, but it's right. just like, even like, yeah, saying that I, got a great <laughs> I don't even example. want to say the word, but we, we know what the word is. You yeah. Know? I know. You know, I used and, to say but it. it's like people, you could just let that fly. Yeah, no, it was, there is, there is one of my favorite like movies. four or five years ago, you oh, could just yeah. really, like, let it fly. One of my favorite movies was Drillbit Taylor. I don't know if you ever saw it um, with I've Owen Wilson. I've not seen it. Um, there was a scene uh, in it, and this, well, this movie came out, like, seven or eight years ago. There was this scene in it. It was my favorite scene, and I thought it was so funny. And I always laughed about it up until, like, 18 months ago. And I quoted it. And people just looked at me and I was like, shit, it's not, this isn't funny anymore. But, um, these, the two characters, they're kids that are getting bullied in high school. And they show up to the bus station and they're both oh, wearing. Oh, you know what? I have seen this movie. It's right. Been a while. They show up to the bus stop wearing the same bowling shirt with like Guy Fieri like flames on it. And um, the bus pulls up and he's like, dude, you got to get out of here. Like, we can't go to school both wearing the same shirt. Like, go home and change. And the kid starts running home, but the bus pulls up. And it, they get spotted wearing the same shirt. And one of the bullies leans out the window and is like, what are you, two Siamese queers? And I just thought it was the funniest thing. And so anybody would show up to school wearing that. Because we all shopped at, like, fucking, I don't know, Gap or whatever the American fuck. Eagle, sure. Aeropostle, anybody shows up wearing the same shirt. <laughs> Siamese queers forever. And you can't call people Siamese. You can't call them queers, especially not the latter. And I thought it was yeah. so funny. And it was so funny up until I and I realized I was looking back. I was like, that was appropriate. Like they put that in a movie. Yeah, yeah. People laughed at that. That was like, OK, like that wasn't even OK. That was cool. Like that was my favorite part of the movie. And if you put that in a movie yeah. now, 
you would be hung for sure. Your movie goes yeah, down also, the fucking drain. Your career is over. You put that in the movie now. And I used to fight that too. I used to like kind of fight for, for comedy to be able to push those limits. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> like, well, they like weren't even that, pushing limits. That was just acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. But for them to be like, I still kind of will fight for the attempt, right? Like you can, like I'll say you can try the joke, right? Like you could try, like, I'm not going to say there's just certain topics that no one can try to make a joke about because some of them are pretty funny. You know, so, but like, I remember uh, being in San Francisco, taking a hip hop class and somehow we got onto the topic. Some, someone brought this up. I forget who it was, but it was um, basically, she was pretty upset that the movie White Chicks, because she'd been watching the movie White Chicks because it came back on television, had a rape joke in it. And she almost started like crying about the joke. And the, the movie is pretty offensive. I guess, not. I guess people could take it. What out was the movie again? Take it. What'd White chicks. Oh yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was like a rape joke that, you know, she was like, really kind of breaking down in the middle of talking about the joke, and like she kind of got more emotional as she was talking about it. And I remember, like thinking at the time something like are we like i was i remember thinking something along the lines like are you fucking kidding me yeah like come on just like you know chill out like no one's actually getting hurt and but like now i think about it and i'm like yeah i i can't tell her how to feel about that you know like i can't like like i like if if you're upset about it then it they're probably they probably did cross the line like i'm at a place now where (laughs) I'm like, yeah, a lot of stuff was pretty fucked up. Like, I didn't know it was fucked up, but, but uh, I could, I, I believe that it could be, you know, it was unnecessary and maybe, you know, making light of uh, a serious situation. But I remember there was a point where I definitely was like getting really sick of like the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But now I, I think it's generally looking back at it, like people are probably ninety something percent of the time, like. Right, you know, like I used to get in arguments with people uh, uh, in the Bay Area, just like different things I thought were funny, just different comments I would make, and people would just say like, "Wow, that's really rude that you said that." Yeah, and I would just be like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, I can't <laughs> believe it. But I was like, I go back and I look at some things now, or even just thinking about those conversations. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It, it was pretty rude for me to say that. Like it was pretty rude <laughs> for me to mention that. It was kind of out of bounds. Like, my definition of rude was just kind of off based on where I grew up and, uh, and what was normal to me. I was like, you ever watched this video? This, you probably haven't seen it, but because I, I can't imagine why you'd see it. I can't even really think about why I've seen it. But it's uh, Terrence J and Roxy on 106 and Park. And Roxy, basically, Terrence J makes all these jokes towards her as they're broadcasting live. And, um, and she eventually walks off. Right. And this is like early 2000s when this happened, or at least mid 2000s. And, you know, he was just kind of making jokes about how she messed up, like the the email to send in your videos or whatever. She said at BET dot com instead of Gmail dot com. And so the co-host, this guy, just starts like kind of really grilling her about it. It was like, oh, it's actually not to, you know, cut you off or whatever. Like it's a G, but he's doing it in this really kind of aggressive way and he does it for like three segments in a row where he just kind of brings up that she messed up 
the reading that prompter <laughs> and that, you know, that she can't read and all this, like, it wasn't, it was just mean, like, it wasn't funny. Yeah. And I, and eventually she walks off and it's like, you know, you can see that he just tries to keep rolling with it and act like he didn't do anything wrong. And you can, like, you can tell, like, he didn't think he did anything wrong. At least he's doing a very good job of acting like he didn't do anything wrong. And, uh, damn, I don't know where I was going with that, but it was just like, I, I've become more aware of that. Yeah. Time of like that. It, it is kind of like it becomes harder to excuse it, you know. And you see that yeah. you start to see why people have been saying that's not acceptable. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are some, there are ways, there are ways that it's it's hard. I think it's hard to do is that, but I think that there are ways to say and to make light or joke about. Or say or jo- make controversial jokes. Um, I think you can. I think it's. I think it's possible, although hard, mm-hmm. to say something that somebody would find offensive, that doesn't perpetuate negative stereotypes or perpetuate rape culture, um, or perpetuate you know general overtones of misogyny or racism. Um, and I think that it's. I think. I think some comedy, I think especially, should be tough to laugh at. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that there's there's ways of doing it, and calling two people with matching t-shirts Siamese queers is probably not the way to go about <laughs> doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was talking to someone about that the other day, about, um, or at least I saw this online, that there's still, like, backlash from the, the new Chappelle specials. Have you seen them? No, I haven't. Yo, he's from D.C. You haven't seen those new specials? Oh, man. I, I don't watch well, he's TV. he's from Silver Springs. But, that's, you know. that's not D.C. That's, that's not even not, in D.C. Yeah, that's Maryland. That's He's fronting. He just didn't yeah, correct get him. out of here. Get out of yeah. here. Yeah, it's, you know, false claiming. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, he's getting, like, backlash. And, like, to me, he's, like, I don't know how to put it. At least for someone, I think he toes the line at a really high level in, in a way like like there's clean comedy that is just not offensive to anyone and they're just making jokes about i went to the grocery store and this is you know whatever yeah. it is it's like it's not just language it's the, the topics are not religion politics race gender it's not that but i i always think I, I, whenever i watch the specials i think he does a pretty good job for the most part of avoiding controversy and he really prefaces the jokes in a way that if you see it in context it's it's hard to i don't know maybe it's not hard to get offended but he acknowledges i think where you where people think he'd be going you know like like someone will make it i'm not gonna give anything away so at least that that was my my opinion when I, i watched it but like nonetheless there's all these stories that come out afterwards about just how offended people are about these jokes. And I just kind of like wonder, um, yeah, like if, if eventually it's just going to come to a point where people can't talk about things, but I, yeah. I don't think it will. I, I like, think, I think so. that might be an oversight. I mean, yeah. to say no one's going to be, it, yeah. <laughs> I think that's just what people say all the time. Now that now I say it out loud, I think it's people say like, you know, well, what do you mean we can't call them niggers? Like, well, if I can't yeah. call a nigger a nigger, then how am I going to – that's the same. It was like, well, I can't call it – I can't call him a, a tranny. You know, I can't yeah. call it, what do you mean I can't – so if I can't say tranny, what's next? 
you know, and so people. So yeah, that's probably bullshit. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, kind of... it's um, it's actually it's a logical fallacy. It's a slippery yeah. slope fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, to say that because A leads to B, and B leads to C, that A will lead to C. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think we're making progress, but we'll have to see where it goes. But yeah. um, I actually I'm out of time, so I've got to jump ship. But hey, um, man, can't let that happen, man. That's part of the podcast. Is we're not letting you go. That's I, not the new format. I got it. I gotta go. <laughs> not gonna make um, it easy for you. I can. Okay. Let's keep saying one more thing, and then. I my no, nah, my parents kicked my ass. I gotta go. <laughs> oh, but um, um, yeah, dude. If uh, there's I, one last point I wanted to put it, in though. Oh yeah. All right. I I do worry, and I don't think. Unless there's some kind of real, like, strong government intervention, I don't think for places like, like Chicago or Philadelphia or Baltimore that there's a lot of hope for getting like more integrated. I just I don't see it happening. If it hasn't happened like thus far, <coughs> I like I just you know, I I think it'll get better than it's been, but I don't see like the I think the key to solving a lot of this is people have to grow up together, and people have to grow up. Like at a young age, like having friends that are different from them, so they don't think it's abnormal later on. Well, I, I think I don't, I don't, I don't think we necessarily need. I think government intervention. I don't even know if I want that, um, just mm-hmm. based on my political beliefs. But um, I think it can happen. But I think that if we, if it does happen, I think the way that it will happen will be like privately. I think people will have. Uh, We'll try. We'll make a, you know, I think outsiders or third party or people maybe even inside um, these communities will start pushing for change and start pushing for, um, you know, social action um, and can make a lot of change and really drive things from the inside. But it's going to take a lot of energy. And I think people are really going to have to step up to the plate and do that. Um, And whether people want to or enough people want to, that's really the big, bigger picture is do enough people want to and do enough people have the resources to do that um and do people realize what could be achieved um if that does happen um is it worth the time do they have the resources and can they really do it and get it done um and we've seen small groups sort of attempt this stuff on on really small scales just in in small neighborhoods um i've seen it a little bit in miami um seen a little bit in philly um, and it's happened on on really small scales, but I think um, and I think that's where it starts. Um, but I do I think it's possible, um, but it's it's a matter of resources, involvement, and perception. How are the people that you're trying to work with and communicate with and talk to? How are they going to perceive you um, if they don't trust you and they're not? And if, or really, they don't. Have, a lot of people wouldn't have a reason to trust any outsider, anybody else, um, and for other reasons. Um, may even have trouble trusting leaders within their own community um, or not trust them, but val- or prioritize or value other more detrimental uh, forms of leadership, um, such as like the form of uh, gangs and, and um, stuff like that, value that kind of quote leadership over other types of leadership. Um, you, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle, but I think that if you, 
attack is the wrong word, but if you attack it from all fronts and you go from the outside in and from the inside to motivate the community within, and you find that form strong of le- that, a strong form of leadership, I think it's possible and I think it can happen. Um, I just don't know when or if people will ever push for that on a larger scale from the outside or from the inside. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably a good note to end it on. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, especially if you got to go. But is there anything else you want to you want to add before we wrap it up? Um, I think that's it. I think that's good. You should uh, invite me back for round two. Yeah, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Right. What cool. do you want? What do you want the episode? Uh, as far as like the name we're putting up, we're putting up the the government name. We're putting up the Facebook name. Um, I'll leave it... just put up the government name, aka the Facebook name. Uh, I think let's just go with James. Let's just go with James. <laughs> just I just think, James, not even the full one, not even I, the full name. Or James Randall's fine, but I think most people just know me by that. I've just accepted my fate at this point. Like I've just become it's like Miley Cyrus, like you said. It, I, it's just me now at this point. All right, James. Well, <laughs> all right. Thank I you. I like that better, man, because I don't like someone having. I'm not even going to get into the exact. Thing. Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly about. what you're talking about. All right, James. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. I'll see you.